Hey, welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship this fine Tuesday or whatever subsequent day you may be listening. My name is Doug Jones. My name is Jason Wheeland. And this is a Saddleback Church podcast and YouTube show designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or as we like to call it, the show that helps you grow. Yeah. It felt kind of like a smooth jazz intro where we had like, <laughs> yeah, of, hey, welcome to, you know. The next 40 minutes, commercial free, smooth <laughs> jazz. <laughs> you will not be hearing any smooth jazz on this station. <laughs> or commercials. That's true too. <laughs> In fairness. <laughs> Um, hey, what hey, are we talking about? Yeah, so we are, are wrapping up today a, a three-part series addressing some common myths about God, about the Bible, about the Christian life, things that you, maybe you've heard before that you're like, huh, don't know if that sounds right. Uh, yeah, we're talking about those. Or worse, you're like, yeah, that does sound right, and but it's actually very false. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to hit those too. Um, so yes, so this is something that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, um, and it's something that I think we're going to come back to in the future. Uh, so it's it's just it's something that we're gonna like to talk about from here and in uh, there. Yeah, we're gonna bust some myths. Whatever happens, do not go away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had one more thing to say. Oh, you do. Yeah. So I was gonna say, if you think about of any myths or whatever that maybe we didn't touch on um, that you feel need to get debunked, they need to be you know taken care of. You want to see Jason get those suckers in a headlock? Yeah. Give them a real say, noogie. Ooh, there we go, the noogie style. Yep. Um, comment below or email us at maturityandsaddleback.com and let us know, and we just might bust that thing in the future. With extreme prejudice. No holding back. Yeah. This time for real, don't go away. We'll be right back. We're back. You did not go away. So uh, we are going to be talking about myth number one right now. We're going to do three today. Um, number one, when good people die, they become angels. <laughs> Maybe you've heard this one before. Maybe you've thought this before. Raise your hand if you've thought this one before out there. Yeah. Or heard this one before. Uh, we hear it We hear it pretty often, actually. Yes. It, it comes up shockingly frequently. And I, I honestly don't know where this even came from because it is absolutely nowhere in the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that indicates to us that humans will become angels when they die or when they leave this earth. I don't know if it's because we generally picture angels as basically people, like humanoid figures with wings on. Yeah, I think you can go back to It's a Wonderful Life and see yeah. and trace from there. Yep. Uh, or, or sometimes humans, or excuse me, sometimes angels will take the form of human beings, and they'll do certain things, like you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, sometimes you'll find angels in human form sort of disguised, yeah. and so maybe that's part of it too, where we just, we we think of there being a crossover I, there that simply I, does not exist. I think what a big portion of it is, is that I think people hear, when you die, you'll go to heaven, yeah. and they hear angels are in heaven. And that's where angels live, they think, yeah. And they look like Christopher Lloyd. I, I think you're probably right. So we're gonna we want to set the record straight on this one and the others that we're gonna tackle today. Uh, humans and angels are completely different life forms. They are not the same kind of creature. They're entirely separate. Yes. Angels are not just humans with wings. They're more than that. They're entirely different creatures. Uh, so the, sometimes we'll hear things said, and and look, I I get where this comes from because. Um, if a loved one passes away, you want to believe that there's been a good outcome for that person. And so sometimes what we'll hear when we're doing memorials or um, speaking with someone who's lost a loved one, we'll get we'll hear we'll hear it said that 
um, something like God wanted another angel, so mm-hmm. he took so-and-so home to heaven. Or, um, you know, when so-and-so passed away, God got another angel. Um, things to that effect, things that imply that that human being turned into an angel. But that's not the case and is not taught anywhere in the Bible. Um, The Bible doesn't say anywhere that humans don't turn into angels, um, but it says nowhere that humans do turn into angels. And everywhere in the Bible, humans are humans, angels are angels, completely different creatures. So you're no more likely to turn into an angel after you die than you are to turn into a cat or a trout or a or all a of tree which would or... be very surprising. <laughs> all surprising. <laughs> because the point is they're completely different life forms. God created angels because he desired angels. He created human beings because he desired that humans being human beings ought to exist. Yes. He created those two separate creatures and he created them purposefully and he did it because he wanted both of those creatures to exist. Not that one transitions to the other or vice versa. They're separate beings altogether. Hopefully making the point clear here. So you are now and you will always be a human being. Unless there are some angels listening to this episode, in which case, you angels, you're always going to be you're angels. Gen- you're still so angels. angels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, the brothers and Joseph and the amazing t- technical dream co are wrong in their song when they sing, There's One More Angel in Heaven. Yes. That is incorrect. Well, And, and let me add to that, too, that we, we... I think we kind of, like you were saying earlier, we want to believe that this person became an angel because we think of that as like the ultimate heavenly experience and that kind of thing. But we, sh- we need to know that, that God created human beings with an extremely high, like an st- extremely lofty purpose. And um, it is no small thing to be a human being. So don't think of becoming an angel as, as becoming something better than a human being. It's not that's, leveling up. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we're taught in the Bible. We're taught that they're completely separate. Angels are powerful, important creatures that God made because he wanted those creatures to exist. And by all accounts, God cares and loves angels. He loves the things that he's made. Um, But they interface with God in a completely different way. And they, this is important to note too, I think, there's only one kind of creature that is said to have been made in the image of God, Mm -hmm. and that's human beings. So don't ever think of becoming an angel as as like, that uh, that being a more privileged place in God's realm or in God's in God's mind, human beings are extremely important to God. Yeah, that's something. So, as you know, the, we've been walking through this series, and um, with each myth, we talk about some doables with that myth. Yep. Um, so, I think one that's huge is just embrace that that God made you to be a human being, and He said that it was good when He made human beings. He said it was very good, hmm. and and that. Our like our call as humans is to know and love God, and then when we, um, when we die and we join Him in heaven for all of eternity, we're we're as human. We're we are creatures that God made, and it was good. Yeah, we he, we don't need to become something else. Right, um, and that's if, I think when we embrace that and when we really think about that, we can praise God even more. Yeah, through that. And when we when we finally reach that place where we are in our eternal home with God, we become the ultimate. We become the the ultimate humans that yeah. we were made to be. the The ultimate expression of humanity, yes. not the fallen thing we not are now. Fallen, yes. So it's easy to see. Well, if you compare holy angels to fallen human beings, well, yeah, there's there's a wide gap there, but. Um, 
you weren't, you're not going to spend eternity being the person that you are now. You'll be the person you are now, but you will be the fullest, richest, most complete yes. and perfected expression of that person. Um, and don't diminish that. Realize what a high thing that that really is. And, and celebrate that, that's, that that is the future that you hold as a believer in Christ. Yeah. Um, another great doable for this if you want to learn more, dive a little deeper, um, go and watch the session on the afterlife at Foundations Online. So saddleback.com slash foundations online. There's a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And, and watch the section on heaven. And you can see it talks all about the afterlife and, yeah. talk, and uh, just a deeper dive into that. Yeah, yeah, you'll enjoy that. Hey, let's talk about myth number two. Jason, did you know that Satan is God's evil counterpart? That what? they're equal and opposite? Uh, I did not know that because it's not true. It's garbage, people. That is garbage. That is uh, completely incorrect. Satan was created by God and is therefore infinitely inferior to him. He's not even close. He is a creature. He is not a creator. You have God... And then you have Satan way down. I, if if you're listening, I've been pointing in directions. It's yeah, arms waving. Arms are waving around. Okay, they may be opposites in many ways, but they are. That does not mean that they are equals. They are not equals. Right. Uh, so where did this idea possibly come from? Well, possibly it had some Eastern influence to it, with the idea of yin and yang that there are complementary forces in the universe. Yeah. Um, and we might sometimes think of good and, and evil as opposites, since we often associate God with good and we associate Satan with evil. And so sometimes Satan's reputation gets a boost. They're like, oh, if there's got to be an ultimate good, that means there's got to be an ultimate evil. Yeah. Um, and also, since we observe like, we observe so much evil in the world, as you can see it going all around you every day, um, um we sometimes exaggerate Satan's power and give him more credit than he deserves. Yeah, and so it, it just boosts it boosts his reputation to the point where we see Satan as this like ultimate bad guy. It's kind of like a video game culture. Yeah, is you have this ultimate bad guy that has to go up against the ultimate good guy, and ultimately, like they're they're equals and they have to fight. Yeah, that's not the case here. Yeah, it's it's kind of like just because Satan is called the adversary of God and God's people and all yeah. things that God cares for doesn't mean that he is an equal or worthy opponent. Yeah. <laughs> like just because he's out to try to to over to topple God's kingdom doesn't mean that he has yeah. power to do that or that he is in any way comparable to God. Yeah, he's the enemy, but it doesn't mean that he and God are are sparring and can't and one can't defeat the like that's not what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's the truth. The truth. Satan is a powerful being who should not be underestimated, but he is less than a flea compared to God. Do we get that? All right. Is that a stark enough picture? Is that a, he is infinitesimally less than <laughs> yeah. God. And yeah. we've talked about, about God, the attributes of God before. I encourage you to go back and check out that series oh, yeah. on the show. And we talk about how great God is. We talked about his transcendence. We talked about his sovereignty. We talked about his omnipotence. And it is literally all-powerful omnipotent. Yeah. Satan is not. Yeah, those are qualities that God shares with nothing no, else. Nobody else. No other creature is omniscient knowing all things, yeah. including Satan. No other creature is omnipotent capable of doing all things, all-powerful. 
that is just God. Satan doesn't have those powers. So there's no there's no contest. Yeah. God's knowledge and his power are limitless, and he is he is orchestrating a plan that Satan is powerless to stop. And we see that in the Bible. That's a, that's a big chunk of the story of the Bible. You see God is working out this plan to ultimately end Satan. Yeah. Um, and you see Satan keeps falling into the yeah, plan he that he's trying traps. to thwart. Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus, you're, you're on the cross now. What you yeah. Got? Oh, yeah. yeah. It says Satan entered into to Judas. That's right. And was like, like so Satan... <laughs> Satan. His dude. plan is bad. He's always getting knocked around by God's plan. It's it's a it's a Satan's playing checkers, God's playing chess kind of situation. Mm. You know, this is I think the prime example where Satan goes into Judas and is making an effort. Not I don't want to go into it, but I think this is a stark fun, example. Yeah. Satan is is playing a a conscious, active role in trying to get mm-hmm. Jesus on the cross. But the thing is that. Getting Jesus on the cross was the thing was the, that ultimately defeats Satan. Yeah. So every time Satan tries to to and Jesus to knew that it, was his mission. Like, Jesus he knew, knew that's that. what he was coming to do. Yes, and so like every time Satan tries to thwart God's plan, God jujitsu's him <laughs> into the plan where he ends up fulfilling the very plan that is defeating him. It's and and it's in those moments where you see that God's wisdom is so superior. God God is. Like you said, he's doing something that is way beyond even Satan's comprehension, and Satan cannot stop it. Yeah, Satan may know some parkour, <laughs> but God is the <laughs> ultimate ninja warrior. Okay. You know, ninja warrior is not a fighting sport, right? It's like an obstacle course. They can still beat up parkour people, I think. I don't know. I, I think they're probably still pretty strong. Yeah, okay. Anywho. Um, guys, and, and, and there's examples in the Bible. If you look at the book of Job, Satan can do nothing unless God permits it. Right. Right, uh, the book of Job, prime example where Satan says, "Hey, can I mess up with Job?" And God says, uh, "Sure, but Job's going to prove you to be a fool." Anyway. Yeah, everything Satan does, God knows he's doing it and yeah. has power to stop. It's not like which he's means everything sly. He does. He's not hiding. He's not doing anything behind God's back. No. Okay. If if so, it happens, it's because God allows it. So literally, everything that he does is is ultimately under God's yes is under God's uh, authority. So debunked. Satan is not equal to God. They we need are, a graphic that pops not up on equal and opposite. Like, yeah, smash debunked. Yeah, that myth is gone. All right, so let's talk about a couple doables on this one. Um, things you can do to learn more, etc. Uh, one, you can find out more about what the Bible says about Satan and God's plan by checking out episodes twenty-five and twenty-six, which are part of our worldview series that we did. So scroll down in your podcast app or scroll down in the playlist on YouTube. Episodes twenty-five and twenty-six talk about uh, the day we broke the world. Talks about the the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve stuff, and how Satan played his role there. And then 26 talks about how Jesus fixes everything. Uh, So you kind of get both sides of that coin. Satan, what he's about, and how God ultimately accomplishes his plan in spite of Satan's efforts. Uh, And then you can also watch two really great sessions from Foundations, Good and Evil, parts one and two. So I'll link to those in the show notes as well. Um, Great, great teachings on this topic that'll help you understand um, the biblical perspective on good and evil, because they're real. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to make sure we understand them properly. I'd say, too, spend some time this week worshiping God and just praising Him for being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world situation. You don't have yes. to live in fear of Satan. Um, you can... You can um, we can live triumphantly knowing that God will overcome every 
obstacle that Satan And he's puts already in our claimed path. victory over death. Yeah. The game's over, dude. Claim it, guys. The game is over. All right. Myth number three. Douglas. Oh, am I reading that one? Nope. No, you're I reading. Was, I was just going to say it to you. Oh, you're putting it to me. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like you did it to me. <clears throat> yeah, it's okay. Good. Uh, Douglas. I like this format. I wish we had thought of this sooner at the beginning of the series. Okay. <laughs> um, did you know that God is the ruler of heaven and Satan is the ruler of hell? Well, that's half true in a, in a sense. That is true <laughs> I think about it. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not in fact the case. Satan is not the ruler of hell. Um, this picture that gets into people's heads of Satan sitting on some dark throne in the underworld and that kind of stuff is total like Mr. Toad's ride. Yeah. It's a, yeah, that ride is freaky, dude. It's dark. Don't take your kids on that ride if you go to Disneyland. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride will mess them up. But if you do, as you're driving through that hell section, yell, get behind me, Satan, as the car turns the corner. And you can tell your child, uh, this Satan's is garbage not, theology yeah. <laughs> because this is not where Satan is. Anyway, Satan does not rule hell. Hell is the thing that Satan dreads most because it's the place that God prepared specifically for Satan and the angels that followed him in their heavenly rebellion. Again, go back to episode 25 uh, we talk a little bit about that and how that went down. Um, but there is in no sense a place of authority for Satan in hell, not at all. Um, in fact, it's sometimes said that he will be the most tormented creature in hell. There's nothing we can really base that on. But the, I think the idea there is he's, since he's like the most wicked creature, he's yeah. got it the worst in hell. I don't know if there's anything to that. But we know for sure he's not the ruler of that place. Yes. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. So hell is the place of torment and separation that was prepared for um, these angelic beings, Satan included, who turned against God and rebelled. So um, no, hell is not the place that is Satan's ultimate you know, realm of control and he's influence. Not, no. He's not hanging down there with, with a pitchfork and, you know crown of fire. Yeah. Or as we're going to say next, he's not hanging out there at, at all. all right now. And that's going to be an important distinction. Yeah. Revelation 20 verse 10 says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this points again to the, the torment that happens for them there. They're not out there like making hell worse for everybody else, poking them and prodding them. And they're not the tormentors. They will be tormented there. Mm-hmm. Um, Satan is hell's future prisoner and ultimate prisoner in a sense. Um, but he's not there at the moment, and that maybe is the freakiest thing of all. He's here on earth waiting for his final judgment. He has yeah. been here all throughout the human story, present. And um, yeah, he's called the prince of this world. Yeah. And uh, he, as Doug said, we talked about him a lot in the past episode, but but that's that's where we have to think about that reality. Right. And that's important to keep that in mind is, is Satan's not waiting for us. Yeah. You know, Satan's here trying to steer enemy. you away from God. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's been thrown out of heaven. He's he's excluded from God's presence, but now he's doing everything in his power here on earth to thwart God's plan and to harm people. But ultimately he's doomed. Revelations twelve twelve Revelation twelve twelve says 
Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. So this is said to have happened after the war in heaven between Satan and the fallen angels and Michael and the faithful angels who ultimately overcame Satan and threw him out. So there's this rejoicing, this, um, this unfaithful traitor has been thrown out of God's dwelling place, but um, he has come down to earth and he is extremely angry knowing his time is short. So he's got a mega grudge against God mm-hmm. and against faithful angels and against everything that God loves and cares about, uh, you know, prime example, human beings, and he's out to, to destroy, to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus says. Yes. So... We mentioned a doable, I think, is to keep that in mind. Is that is that needs to be on our mind? Is we is we need to be on guard yeah. as believers, uh, knowing that Satan's going to try to trip you up. Yeah, um, Satan wants nothing more than to keep you away from God. Yeah. Um, so just we have to be prepared for that. And we've talked about what it means to guard your mind. And we've talked about what it means to build in habits into your life that bring right. you closer to God every day. Yeah. Um, and that's a big part of being a disciple is being aware of that and focusing on the things of Christ, the things of God, um, and doing what we can to not get tripped up. Yeah. Um, and we talked about, go back and listen to episode 25 during our worldview series, mm-hmm. uh, we talk extensively more uh, on the topic. Yeah, we look at uh, an Ezekiel passage that talks about what all went down uh, in heaven, and there's a re- just a really cool passage that a lot of people miss and don't even know is there, but it gives us a really interesting glimpse into the spiritual warfare side, which I know a lot of you have an interest in. That's a good place. If you haven't been listening to the show for a long time, that's a good check episode to go check out. You'll uh, find it enjoyable. We have an exciting little feature right now. We do. Well, first, before we get to that, um, just want to let you know, we're wrapping up this series on these myths, um, but this is kind of like a, we'll call this series of three episodes like the first installment in the myth-busting series. We'll bring it back in the future. So like Jason said at the top of the episode, if you've got any myths that you hear buzzing around or some things that you're not sure are quite right, comment below, send us an email, maturity at saddleback.com. Just let us know one way or another. Um, what kind of stuff you've been hearing or what questions you may have, because we will tackle those in a future episode. Um, We look forward to doing that. And here's a great example of that. Uh, We've got a a friend named Susan. Susan, shout out to you. She's a YouTube viewer, and she's asked us some questions about, well, I'll read you the questions, but um, she's asked some questions about what we call Trinitarian prayer, which is like, how do you you interact with... um, the three persons of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in prayer. How do, how do you interact with them? What's the right way to approach uh, in prayer? So I'll, I'll read the question here. I've got it on my phone. She says, um, so there's the Father and His Son, Jesus. So what name do you have for the Father, and what about a name for the Holy Spirit? I mean, if I were sitting at a table with all three, then how would we address them? I like that picture, by the way, sitting yeah. at the table. Um, and then she asked a follow-up question as well. It says, so what I'm really asking is like this. When I'm sharing prayers with others, like in church, I announce, come Holy Spirit, or welcome Holy Spirit, which works fine in a formal setting. However, when I'm alone, it kind of sounds funny to announce, come Holy Spirit, or welcome Holy Spirit, and also saying, Father God. I guess uh, I'm going to find out the answer to my question with practice and with patience, but I'm curious if you guys have been through a stage in your growth where you've wondered about what title to use 
uh, within the context of the Trinity. So this is a very thoughtful question. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about the Trinity quite a bit when we did the Attributes of God series, so I, that's kind of where this question, I think, was drawn out. I think out. it was the initial. <clears throat> yeah, and so there's, I think, a few things to say here, um, Susan, and anybody else who um, has a similar question. <clears throat> For one, I think we have to make sure we keep two things closely in mind. We say God is a triune God, and that involves two things. God is tri, three persons, existing as one being. And what can often happen is we can find ourselves on a spectrum leaning toward God's oneness or leaning toward God's threeness. Mm -hmm. And what happens if we lean too far to God's threeness, because of our own human limitations, we start to create... Uh, breaks between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are a little too clean and are maybe a little too uh, deep. And I think it's important that we remember that they are deeply, deeply interconnected, that they are essentially the same being, though they are expressed in three persons. So it's important to make sure we don't try to get too... um, We don't try to get too... um, radical with how much we we separate the three of them, for one. Um, Jesus said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus always directs his prayer to his heavenly Father. And so that's where I particularly lean when it comes to this. Trinitarian prayer, I think, is a good thing because it helps you acknowledge how um, the three persons of the Trinity are a part of your prayer life, because the Holy Spirit is a part of prayer life, helping um, helping sort of... uh, infuse and enliven our cries to God and and sort of carry those requests to Him. And the Holy Spirit has a very active role that that is played there. Uh, and then, of course, Christ is a, is a role because we pray, we, we call upon the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, we do it on the authority of Jesus Christ. And of course, God is the authoritative person, or God the Father is the authoritative person in prayer. He's the one who we are yielding to in prayer. And so there's a lot of interplay there. But I think personally, the way I've fallen on this, and maybe Jason, you do it a little bit differently, but where I've fallen is I, I pray to my Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Because in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, that's how He does it. Mm-hmm. He says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, our Father who's in heaven, on and on and on. And so um, Jesus, in every example, prayed to his heavenly Father, and we are literally told by him to pray like that. So that's how I pray. I would add, there's nothing wrong with calling on the Holy Spirit because he's God. The Holy Spirit is God, and there's there's nothing that there's nothing explicitly taught or said that's wrong with that. Um, but I know for me, when I begin to make the division a little too hard or a little too clean between them, I kind of start tripping on the threeness aspect and losing sight of the oneness, and it actually kind of, I feel like it kind of dislocates me out of a conversational prayer with with God. So I kind of, I kind of keep it simple, and I pray to the Heavenly Father. Uh, yes, that is is my go-to as well. <clears throat> it, um, I would say is my norm, and largely based on what you said with the Lord's Prayer. And we talk about that in class 201. We talk a lot mm-hmm. about about yeah. the pattern for prayer and uh, and stuff like that. Um, I I will I will talk to Jesus and in, in, in thanking him for interceding for me. Mm-hmm. I will talk to Jesus about things going on in, in my life just as as a friend. Yeah. And talk with the Holy Spirit about um um 
when I'm praying for something like it's it's patience or peace or one of the fruits of the spirit. That's a great particularly. Point. Yeah, that's when I, I usually will you know you know spirit please <laughs> help me with yeah with some joy today. I'm not feeling very joyful or whatever that is. Yeah, like when you're asking for the thing that is attributed to that person of the Trinity. The fruit yeah. of the spirit is a is a great example. Like ask the Holy Spirit for the fruit of the spirit. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I, I like the point you made about praying to Jesus as a friend too. Because like when I pray with my kids mm-hmm. who are five and two. Uh, Amelia, my five-year-old, whenever we pray together, we always start the prayer off with Jesus or mm-hmm. dear Jesus or that kind of thing. And I know for her, at her age of development, it's helpful for her to have a more concrete, to be able to picture a more concrete person because Jesus is is the eternal son who became a man. And so you're able to, in praying to Christ, you're able to sort of personify God and and help kind of channel your understanding of God into a very tangible uh, person, a tangible human form. And I know for for Emmy, I think that's helpful because she can picture Jesus as a person. It's mm-hmm. God that I'm speaking to, but he's a person. So that can be helpful, I know, as well. And it does add to the friendship idea. Brandon, I'll close with this. Brandon Bathour, who's, who did a series with mm-hmm. us a little while ago, who's on our team, uh, I asked him, I put this to him earlier. I was like, give me your thoughts on this. And he said something cool. He's like, when it comes to Trinitarian prayer, and he's on board with everything we said about you know, you know, Jesus praying to the Father and that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing he pointed out that I thought was a cool picture of it is, he's like, when I think of my prayer life as involving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it helps me see prayer as a as a community event. Hmm. Um, it's and it almost feels like you're part of a family. And the the idea that came to my mind is that um, when we think of the Holy Spirit and we think of the Son and we think of the Father as all being a part of of that prayer conversation, it's a cool thing because it it kind of gives us the sense of, we realize that we're kind of being enveloped in that moment with God, and that's yeah. kind of a cool thing. The Spirit is kind of within and behind you, the Son is beside you, and the Father is above you, and and you have this sense of um, entering into into a moment with God, which I think is kind of a cool picture There's as well. There's something so powerful about thinking of the three persons of the Godhead working together to not only be with you in prayer, but mm. to be with every single other person that is praying and to do, yeah. you know, everything else that God is doing. You know, it's it's incredible yeah. to truly think about. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I love that picture yeah. of what Brandon was talking about. Because yeah. it really it brings you into this into this relationship, because we talked about in the attribute series about how God is relational, right? And one of the best ways that we are relational with God is through prayer. Yeah, and so that's just a great picture of being in just deep relationship with God. Yeah. So to wrap that up, though, I would say I mean we said a lot there, but I would say when in doubt, if you're not sure what to do, pray to your Father in heaven. Pray to pray to God the Father. He's the one who Jesus told us to pray to in, in Matthew 6. There's nothing wrong with Trinitarian prayer. I think it's a has a great place within the Christian life. But if you're not sh- if you're still figuring out what to how to make heads or tails of that whole thing, you're not alone because the Trinity is a is a that's a challenging issue. The and, threeness and oneness of God is a hard thing to get your head around. So to make it simple, pray to your heavenly Father who and loves it's, you. And it's not like God the Father is going. Ugh, that's not that was meant for Jesus. That's not getting to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sorry. I'll forward this email yeah. to the son <laughs> who don't yeah. Worry. yeah. 
Oh, God, the Father's always getting spammed. That should have gone to the Spirit. Or gotten, yeah, it doesn't work that doesn't way. It doesn't work that way. Anyway, Susan, thanks for that question. That was a lot of fun to, to chat through that with you. Thanks for being patient on our response. But I, I did want to just comment. I wanted to take the time to do it in an episode. So anybody else who's got questions, drop them in those comments. Email us. You know the whole thing. Let us know you got questions. We'd love to chat about more in the future. So... Jason, always fun to do another episode with you. That That is a wrap-up to this series. It is. We have That's fun stuff wrap. coming up. We really do. So don't miss next week, people. You'll be kicking yourself if you do. That's true. Uh, we love you. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning into Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Hey!